In today's episode, I'm speaking with Scott Sambucci. He's the CEO at Sales Qualia. He's a sales coach, author, speaker, ultra marathoner, and he's the host of the Startup Selling Podcast. And we'll be learning more about his journey into sales. Looking forward to sharing his story with you. Welcome to Seller's Journey, the podcast where we speak to great sales reps and leaders and share their real stories from start to sales success. Hi, everyone. I'm Joseph Fung, and today we are speaking with the great Scott Sambucci. Scott, how are you doing? Dude, I love that you called me the great Scott Sambucci. You can, you can hang out with me anytime. Oh, it's... It, your podcast, your experience, it's necessary. And I, I only wish that we had better intro music for you, something a little bit more epic. Dude, I loved it. I was jamming while you were doing it. Nice, nice. Thanks again for joining us. I appreciate the time. Glad to be here. Cool. So uh, some of our audience members may not know you. So why don't we we help them out? Let's start at the beginning. Where'd you go to school? Where'd you go to college? Where'd you grow up? Uh, grew up in New Jersey. Uh, I was able to get out of New Jersey, fortunately, when I was 14. Uh, my parents, we had a really bad snowstorm one year. My parents are like, that's it. We're moving to Florida. Uh, <laughs> so we moved to Florida. From there, I ended up at Winthrop University down in South Carolina. Most people have probably not heard of it. It's just a small state school in South Carolina. Went there because mm -hmm. I had an academic scholarship. And so I was paying for college myself and thought free was a pretty good price. And, uh, you know, spent spent four years there, graduated college when I was just, just before I turned 22. And from there, ended up doing sales. So what's so great about your journey, I mean, you've accomplished so much, you work with great companies. The part that jumps out to me, you know, that's really unique, I think, about your story was that you started in sales, left sales and came back. So why don't we start with that first step, that first chapter? How did you get into your first sales role? Yeah, great question. So um, I, I think it really started out of needing to pay rent. I was graduating college. I was a history major, which means you either teach, work at a museum or sell. And a good friend of mine who was a couple years older than me had also just recently graduated and he got into sales. He wanted to be in sales. He got into it. He mm -hmm. was doing pretty well. And he said, look, man, you should get into sales. You'd be good at sales. I'd always wait at tables. I'd worked in restaurants. I'd always been kind of a good social kind of extroverted person and good with people. So it seemed like a pretty good fit. And so that's really what led me into sales in the first place. And my first job out, my first real job out of college was selling cabinet doors um, I don't even have this wow. on my LinkedIn profile. Yeah. So I found a job working for a cabinet door manufacturer in North Carolina and I got paid my base salary is $22,000 a year. And they gave me a Ford Ranger full of cabinet doors. And my job was to drive <laughs> around to cabinet makers in Western North Carolina and explain to them why they should let us do the doors and they could just focus on the rest of the cabinets. Wait, you were doing door to door door sales. Basically I was doing outdoor sales. Yeah. I was driving around. The hills of northern west western North Carolina, talking to you know a lot of these are like one one man shops, small cabinet makers that would make either custom projects for uh, for homes that were getting built, and some larger you know, larger companies that were that would might you know partner with home developers and those kinds of things. But basically, yeah. that was my first job, and I did that for about two months and didn't sell a single door. <laughs> what incredibly successful sales career start right, right there yeah well i think a lot of it was just like i just didn't love the industry it was a job i was like okay 22k i mean i was just back in 1996 it wasn't a great salary back then but at least it was a salary and then getting a ford ranger i'm like okay now i don't have to pay for a car 
So that adds to it. <laughs> um, and, you know, the company was okay. I mean, the manager was okay. And I was like, you know, I'll just kind of get something going and figure it out from there. And I just realized this is not what I wanted to do. I was found myself just not really liking the calls. I didn't like going and talking to cabinet makers. It just wasn't my thing. So I dove back into the classified ads, which is what you did in 1996 mm-hmm. to look for a job. And I found a position with Prentice Hall, uh, higher education, which is what they called a publishing rep, which is really just a salesperson where you're mm-hmm. walking around uh, universities. And again, it's basically door-to-door sales, but you're selling to professors and helping them to choose the textbooks that they're going to use for the different classes that they teach. Mm-hmm. And that, so, that, that really got me into what I would say like a more successful sales career. So it's kind of individual and door to door, but definitely much closer to to a business sale there. I mean, the, yeah, the persona I mean, got to be a little different there. Totally, it was like a you know equivalent of an enterprise sale. I mean, some of these sales that we were doing, uh, if you're selling like a, I remember one, we called them adoptions. They they call them adoptions in higher education. They're really just sales. If you're selling to say like a general chemistry class at a state school, there's you know 800 students in that class every year. So you're selling a book that's seventy dollars retail or or seventy dollars net, and again, this is you know twenty five years ago. So I, mm-hmm. I know textbook prices have gone up a bit, but um, you know that one sale would be like fifty thousand dollars or more. So some of these are actually pretty big enterprise sales. Lots of committees. You would have uh, you know five, six, seven professors in the chemistry department that would be deciding on the book. They would take months to go through review books, review supplements. Mm-hmm. How do they cover this material? Is this the right fit for us? And so you're just walking people through that enterprise sale, bringing in account managers and specialists and people from the home office to help you close those deals. And uh, I did that for my very first year is really where I realized like sales is something that I'm good at. I, I spent a lot of time just understanding the craft. I read a book every single week on sales or personal improvement, self-improvement. I uh, did everything that my manager told me to do. And the very first year, my rookie year, at Pearson Education, it's now Pearson, it used to be Prentice Hall, uh, I was the number five salesperson out of over 300 reps across the country. And so at the sales meeting at the end of the year, number, number, number one in number your market five, too, right? Number one in my market, number five oh, okay. in the whole company. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, so end of the year, we're at the sales meeting and I'm up on stage getting this top performer award. And I basically look like, you know, a kid still out of college. I was 23 at the time, right? <laughs> I like, you know, the collar doesn't fit and the, the tie is droopy and all that stuff. And people are like, what's the intern doing up on stage? <laughs> and, uh, but that was me because I was a top performer. I just I figured out like sales is just a process. And I just followed this process every day, every week, every month. And end of the year, I was at the top of the leaderboard. Okay, so you go from selling no doors to selling all the textbooks. Lots but... of textbooks. Either way, I'm killing trees. <laughs> so, so we've got the start of a theme there. Let's let's see see if it continues. <laughs> but this is where where things get really interesting to me because mm-hmm. you decided to leave sales and get into product management. Can you tell us what was the thinking there? What were you going through? Why make that choice? Yeah. So the, the thinking it like is really kind of the career path that you have when you're in publishing. So you're in the publishing world. There's kind of you, almost everybody starts as a sales rep and you start out in the field and you kind of cut your teeth learning the industry in the field. And then if you're promoted, you can either stay in the sales track and become a district manager and eventually a regional manager, mm-hmm. or you can move into the home office and take a marketing or a product development position. And those, I always felt like sales was just like a necessary evil. Like, okay, I'll do the sales thing so I can go get a real career. Mm. 
it wasn't, I didn't go into sales either selling cabinet doors or textbooks thinking like, this is my career choice. It was just like, this is the job I can get and this is going to help me pay the bills. And so I was thinking about, it was an editor. That's what they call product managers in higher education editors. And for uh, three and a half years, I did product management. You know, it's actually producing the textbooks, working with the authors, um, figuring out what the new editions are going to look like, signing new authors, building new product, working on the technology side. Back then in 1998, we were building websites that were companions to the textbooks. And that was bigger, considered big innovation back then. Like, oh, you have a website <laughs> that goes with the textbook. Um, so I did that for about three and a half years and really enjoyed the work. I mean, I liked doing product management. Um, it just that felt like, okay, this is more of a career track. And, if, and, and in fact, I had applied for a director level position at Pearson uh, before I ended up leaving uh, Pearson and heading out to Silicon Valley. I, I love how you talked about the products. I remember getting textbooks with a, a CD-ROM in the sleeve in the back. Yeah. Uh, you know, all, all, all the innovation. Th- those were me. Uh, there I, you I, go. I, Thank CDs you. Good deals. Yeah. So it, in many regards, it feels like at this pay, stage, You've made it. I mean, sales is a stepping stone. You stepped in. You get the the role where you're defining and designing the product. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that how you felt? Is that what you? Yeah, were, for sure. Were I was like, okay, this is like this is real business in my mind. I'm like, this is what real business people do, or this is what people that have real jobs do. Not that I, I, you know, didn't feel like sales was a real job. It just wasn't a. It didn't. I didn't. I, there were career sales reps at mm-hmm. here at Prentice Hall. There were people. There's. I remember a guy who uh, was in my same region, he covered different accounts than me. And he sort of joked that he was the world's oldest book rep. Uh, this is a guy who was like in his fifties, <laughs> early sixties, he'd been doing it for 30 years. And everybody in that area knew him. This is a guy named Dave Morris. And he just, that was his career. And he did great at it. He was a top performer consistently. And that was his job. And, and he loved it. I just didn't see that as a career path for me. I thought, well, I want to do something that's more innovative or development or something that requires you know, more what I considered at the time, more intellectual capacity. Mm. Okay. So I think this gives us a good idea of your state of mind is a product manager. And then we talked about leaving sales and getting back in your, your next role is getting right back into sales. So that's right. How did that come to be? Well, I got excited with all the technology that we were building along with the textbooks. I mean, the textbooks were, you know, kind of the core product. That's what authors wrote and that's what we published. Mm-hmm. But building the websites, doing the CDs, all of the other supplementary material, to me on a day-to-day basis, as I was developing those materials, there was like the whole innovation of online learning. This is back when distance learning was a new thing. Companies mm-hmm. like Blackboard and WebCT, eCollege, like this whole concept of online learning was like, wow, like everything's going online. This is amazing. And that was way more interesting to me than just continuing to publish textbooks. And I got a call from a recruiter who said, Hey, listen, you know, uh, I heard about some of the work you've done as a salesperson and I've been tracking some of the work you do on the product side. We've got this startup out in Silicon Valley that called Applia and they're looking for somebody to help them run business development. You know, would you be interested? And so with my interest in technology, I traveled out to San Francisco a couple of times on work trips. I had some friends out there from college that had moved out there. And every time I went to the West coast, I was like, oh my God, like I got to figure out a way to get out to Silicon Valley. <laughs> so I kind of had this little bit of a fever to move to Silicon Valley. And so when this opportunity came up that was in the tech world, still in publishing, higher education, um, the idea of like going back into sales was actually no big deal. It was just sort of like, okay, whatever. I just want to get out to Silicon Valley. 
And so I took that role and, and it was positioned as business development, not just you know, straight up sales, even though that's really what it ended up being. Uh, I was viewing that position as more like partnerships and, and uh, channel and that kind of stuff, as opposed to like raw selling. But once we got into it and we realized what was it going to take to sell the product we were building, building, it was really just sales. And so um, doing that for a couple of years at Apple, we were able to grow from zero revenue, the first couple of million in revenue. And I realized like, hey, I'm, I'm actually pretty good at this thing. Like I've been able to do this twice now in two different companies, go from, you know, nothing to selling stuff. Nice. And, and it, it sounds like you've been kicking around the Bay Area ever since. Is that right? Yeah. K- kicking around, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, I, the goal was to move out to the Bay Area for two years and then move back to New York. And uh, that never happened. <laughs> so I, I moved. I tell people I moved to Silicon Valley for two years, 18 years ago. And, uh, <laughs> so here I am. This is, this is life. This is where I am. So yeah, I've been kicking nice. around, kicking around since working with mostly with tech companies and startups since then. Okay. So with all of that, you've had the opportunity to succeed at sales, consider leaving, considering coming back and working with some of the hottest companies. Mm-hmm. Looking at that, I'd love to hear just what surprised you most, especially in the tech sales area. What surprised you most about that time? Great question. So um, on a macro level, the thing that surprised me most is how little there was an appreciation for sales in the tech world. So you saw a lot of this in the first wave of the dot-coms where it was like, you know, build a website, do a Super Bowl commercial, and everybody's going to buy your thing. Mm-hmm. And that whole, a whole, you know, first wave of dot-coms just imploded. Then even, even with the second or third wave of, of startups, even now, we still see it. It's less so now than even 10 years ago, but it was a lot of like, well, even though we're selling an, we're built an enterprise solution, you know, enterprise software, uh, some kind of hardware product, there still was this perspective from a founder of a company who's typically an engineer or product person doesn't come from a sales background that I'm going to build this product. The product's going to sell itself. And the thing that was most surprising to me was how little at the time, and this is again, maybe more 15 years ago than now, how, how little there was pay, how, how much little attention or credibility was given to the, and the importance of sales as a successful leverage point in any company's growth. And that's why I ended up doing what I'm doing now, because about 10 years ago, I started doing workshops and I started teaching about sales to these tech companies. I realized that so many of them, they just didn't even know what sales meant. They just viewed sales as this like necessary evil. And they viewed it as this black box and like, oh, I just have to like schmooze people and, and just like talk to people and send them a proposal and hope they buy from me. And my experience starting as a sales rep and then working at Applia and then two more startups, I realized like sales is no, is no different than any other process in your company, mm-hmm. whether it's product development, engineering, raising capital, running HR, there's a process for every part of your business and sales is the same way. And so as I look back over the years and over the different experiences that I've had, I realized the reason I've been successful in sales is because I always was able to find and, and build a process to it. And that process is something that can be taught to and implemented by anybody out there. So thinking about that, I think with our, our audience getting into sales, that's a fantastic perspective on, on tech sales. Uh, in, the, in the chance that any of your, your target audience is listening in on to, to this, you know, now that you're coaching tech startups and working with leaders, um, you know, what's the value prop? Who do you sell to? Who should be listening to this and go, hey, 
I should talk to Scott and go visit your website. Well, most of the people that we work with are early stage B2B tech startups. Um, mm-hmm. Early stage, we define that as seed, seed, seed funded or series A funded companies. And so those are companies that have already, and they built a product, they've started selling it. They've got some revenue in the door, but the challenge that they have is getting past those early customers that maybe have come to them through introductions or through network or maybe even early adopters that have found them on inbound somehow, mm-hmm. the innovators and early adopters in any market. And so when they're trying to get past those first handful of customers and they're trying to ramp up to the first million in revenue and then getting from a million to 10, you know, there's, that's where you really need to have some repeatability in your process. You need to have some systems in place in order to scale. And that's what we do is we teach those companies what are like how do you build out a repeatable prospecting plan of action how do you do outbound the right way how do you do your product demos it's not just like clicking 17 buttons and then asking people okay what do you think there's a process to how you run a product demo there's a process to how you handle proposals there's a process to hiring there's a process to managing and so we just teach those founders and those early stage management teams like these are the processes that you have to have to understand and then implement in your company if you want to get repeatability and then scalability. Love it. So I love the clarity of the stage, the entrepreneurs, the founders, and the value prop. Uh, if you're listening and you fit those profiles, reach out to Scott. His details are going to be in the description uh, and tune into his podcast because it's it's awesome. Uh, Scott, I know you said you couldn't stick around uh, past the bottom of the hour. So I've got one more question and then some rapid fire and I can let you go. Does that work? Absolutely. Okay. This one is a little bit uh, kind of off the main theme that we've had, but one of the things that I find so intriguing is the way leaders, uh, particularly people in sales, uh, portray themselves. And one of the things you share on Twitter is that you excel at Miss Pac-Man. And I'm super <laughs> intrigued. Is this, is this a hobby? Is this a profession? Is this your side hustle? What's the story there? No, it's just one of those games. Like I, I, like I do this when it comes to like movies or any games that I play. I just like playing. I don't really enjoy learning new games as much as I enjoy doing stuff that I've already learned. And so even when I, like I go to an arcade, I used to go to arcades and stuff. And um, I'd always gravitate towards the Pac-Man machine instead of all the new Vangled stuff with the the headsets and things like that. I'm just like, Oh, I'm going to play this. And, uh, I could crack seven or six digits pretty, pretty easily, you know, get to pretty high level. It's just I don't oh, know, wow. something about the game that I like. Um, I haven't played it in a while, but I, I am pretty good at it. I played it once. <laughs> my son was watching me. He was amazed. He's like, Oh my God, how do you do that? Oh, uh, so there you go. There's the, the street code. My son's eight. I need to get better at yeah. one of these games just to, to make sure that he's impressed. My son is eight as well. There's a, there's a, a comic book store, in our town that has uh, some video games and they had a Miss mm. Pac-Man in there for a short time. So, and you could play it. So I played it and he watched me. He was just like, his mind was blown. <laughs> I swear. I didn't expect to be getting really useful uh, parenting tips uh, from our conversation, but I'm going to take them because this is no, no, don't take them from me. Cause I, I do not take them <laughs> like I'm struggling like everybody else. Um, one, th- one thing I want to mention before we go, um, you know, if you're listening and, you know, whether you're in, you know, product or tech, and even if you're not running a startup yourself, but you want to learn you know, what is a core framework that you could be using in sales, like how do you think about sales as a process? Um, I have a book that I wrote last year called Stop Hustling, Start Scaling. And if you go over to my website at salesqualia, that's sales and then Q-U-A-L-I-A.com, um, there's a button right there on the homepage where you can actually download a full copy of the PDF of version of the book. 
Um, so that's one of the places we just tell people, look, if you just want to understand when I, when I'm talking about sales as a process, sales as a framework, um, if you read that book that will help you, I think, break a lot of the perceptions you might have of what it means to do sales, especially when you're talking about B2B enterprise level selling. Uh, I wrote the book for people to understand that there is a framework to this. So if you read that book, I think that will help you quite a ways, whether you're, again, an individual contributor or you're a startup CEO that's looking to build a sales process. Thank you for mentioning it. Uh, I'm going to make sure that we have a link to the book uh, on Amazon or somewhere else in the description of the podcast. So if you're listening in on you know, YouTube or uh, on, on your regular podcasting app, check the description too, because there should be a link there. Yeah, absolutely. And I would just tell people, I don't even care if I sell copies on Amazon because you don't make money on selling a book. I'd rather get the message out to as many people as possible, which is why we give away the PDF on the website. Nice. Uh, I'll make sure that we're, we're pointing people there too. Uh, do you have time for a couple of really fast rapid fire questions before we wrap I got, up? I got three minutes before I got to go jump on a call. Okay. But These will be super fast. Then. Yeah. Okay. What, what's your favorite sales tool? Uh, like technology wise? Technology wise or otherwise? What's your favorite? LinkedIn. Nice. Uh, outside of work, movies. What's your favorite movie? Elf. Nice. Good choice. And uh, when you were a kid, what did you want to grow up to be? An architect. Love it. Scott, this has been such a great conversation, <laughs> a ton of great takeaway, but I appreciate you humoring the really fast rapid fire questions at the end. That's like great. I just took a personality survey or something like, oh my God, I just learned about myself. Well, it's great. You're going to hear in the others. We get all sorts of things like astronaut, healthy, godfather, all of them. This is awesome. Uh, cool, I have not heard your answers from anyone yet. Cool. Nice. This is great. I'm looking forward to our next conversation, but thank you so much for joining us today. Dude, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Anytime. Absolutely. We'll, we'll chat again soon and uh, looking forward to that conversation. All right, man.